So I'll tell a candidate, find a fun fact about this city or something historical, how the fire department started, was it as a result of a big fire or a big incident that happened, and bring that into the interview. Because that'll tell the person that's interviewing them, hey, this person actually went above and beyond what they found on the internet or in a textbook. You know, you, you want to stand out. That's the whole point of these interviews. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. If you're working toward becoming a firefighter, or you are one already and you're trying to get promoted, one of the scariest phrases you've heard lately is likely oral interview. You should be concerned about getting it right. You can do all the right things academically and on your application, But if you don't ace that interview, your chances of getting hired or promoted are slim to none. So what do you need to do to get ready for it? What should you say or not say? Here to answer those questions and more is Mark Rossi. He's a 20-year veteran of the fire service and a captain with the Fort Lauderdale, Florida Fire Department. Mark is both an accredited fire officer and a licensed and certified career coach. He's the founder and president of Rockstar Interview and Promotional Prep Training. And Mark Rossi joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. I'm excited to be here. I'm very humbled at the same time. Very honored to have this opportunity. It's my first podcast that I've ever done. Ooh, that's always good when we hear that. We like to be number one. So let's start then with entry interviews. How are oral interviews for the fire service different from other jobs? Well, I think with the fire service, the fire service in general is a very paramilitary organization, as as most candidates know. And there's a lot of similarities in the business world along with the fire service. But I think I think when we talk about the fire department interviews, it's very scenario based, scenario driven. In other words, not just related to the fire ground or the EMS side of things, but I think that for the most part, when candidates go in for initial oral interviews, they're really, the, the people that are doing the interviews, the chiefs, the company officers, the human resources, they're really trying to find out if that particular candidate is not just a good fit for the city, but a good fit for the department. They're looking at people that are well-rounded, that have done other things other than just live, breathe, sleep, and eat the fire service, so to say. That's interesting because I think a lot of guys are like that and they would assume that would make them a great candidate. Yes, I agree with you. So how much memorizing of answers should we do for these interviews? Okay, so this is my professional opinion, but zero. Um, When I meet with candidates, I'm actually a little different than some of the other, I guess, cookie-cutter companies that do this or some of my competition. I've been doing this for a little over 10 years. 
I try to tell candidates not to memorize anything. And, and the reason for that is I've seen candidates come uh, in, in job interviews that I've been involved in, oral interviews, promotional assessments. They've come into the room and they're asking, a, they're asked a very basic question. For example, why do you want to work for this fire department? And they've memorized a pre-rehearsed answer and they sound like robots and you don't get the true passion out of someone you don't get the real answer. You get something that was memorized out of a textbook. And within two minutes of listening to their answer, you want to basically put your head down on the table or walk out the room and bring the next candidate in. So to answer the question, how much should we memorize? I would say don't memorize anything. A candidate should be very comfortable talking about themselves to the point where they can sell themselves and close themselves to any audience that's listening. How much of an antagonist are the interviewers likely to be? Are they out to trip us up? I don't think so. I think, I think generally speaking, they know, and I'll use again myself as an example, they, they know that the candidates are coming into these interviews very nervous. They know that especially a typical anywhere from 18 to 24-year-old candidates coming in the door may have little to no life experience at all outside of what they learned in fire school or fire academy. I don't think that they're trying to trick you. I think they're just trying to look at, uh, can you get someone in the door that can answer some basic questions about themselves and tell them a little bit about what they've done in their career up to that point or what they've done, you know, why they get, why they were interested in the fire service or how they got interested in the fire service. But I don't think in general, I don't think that most initial oral interviews are meant to trick any particular candidate. Give me an example that you've seen of somebody who totally blew the interview and why they did it. Okay. Well, a common question that is asked across the board, and it really doesn't matter what department asks this, what do you know about X city or X fire department? And maybe I can use I can use my, my own fire department, for example. I work for the city of Fort Lauderdale, a very large fire department. But what do you know about the city of Fort Lauderdale? What do you know about Fort Lauderdale Fire Department? And... The candidates that I have worked with, when I've asked them that question, depending on where they are in the hiring process, they've only known a little bit, very, very minimal information about the department. They haven't done their research. They've known about, they know that the fire department is busy. They make a very general statement. The fire department's busy. The fire department runs a lot of EMS calls. The fire department runs a lot of fire calls. The fire department has 17 stations, and then they start to spout out all the numbers of the stations. And I know within the first 30 seconds of them answering the question, that they don't truly know how to answer that question. Um, that That's an example of a, of a question that a lot of candidates fail to, to achieve a, a higher score on. Right. They got the information off the internet and figured that would be, that would make them look as though they knew everything about the department. Right. And I try to, I try to give them, I have a customized list that I try to give them a little bit more insight, deeper understanding. For example, I always, for that particular question, outside of knowing who the fire chief is, the population served, and then the call volume, I like them to dig a little deeper. Like, I, I'm a history fan. I've always been a history buff all through college and high school. And I tell them, find a little a fun fact about the city. In other words, I'm going to use my, my own fire department again, Fort Lauderdale. We're known as the Venice of America because we have several miles of waterways that we protect. So I'll tell a candidate, find a fun fact about this city or something historical, how the fire department started, was it as a result of a big fire or a big incident that happened and bring that into the interview because that'll tell the person that's interviewing them, hey, this person actually went above and beyond what they found on the internet or in a textbook. You know, you, you wanna stand out. That's the whole point of these interviews. You're, you're interviewing with thousands of other people 
for possibly 10 jobs or fewer, what's going to make that candidate stand out versus the candidate just comes in as memorizes some answers and is a robot? So what is going to make them stand out? Is it the idea that they know something personal about where they're coming to work or, or what gets, what gets attention? So I think you, you, you hit, you hit it on the head there, but most importantly, I said probably my number one bit of advice to a candidate, tell me something that's going to make me remember you as a candidate. In other words, a common question that is asked almost at every oral interview, because like when I work with these candidates, I always follow up with them. I call them up, I email them, hey, how'd it go? What went well, what didn't go well? And you're asked the question, why do you want to be a firefighter? Why do you want to be a firefighter paramedic? It's because I want to help people. Correct. And I hate that answer. So <laughs> I, tell, I tell them, I always tell the candidates, dig a little deeper than the tip of the iceberg. Give me some substance. Tell me a story that only you can relate to that comes from the heart. And I know I'm not doing this now because I'm talking on the phone, but I'm pointing to my heart the same time I do it with the candidate. Because if you can tell me something, and it doesn't have to be related to the fire service, it could be something completely you know, off the charts, off the wall, but tell me something that only you can relate to so that when you walk out the room, you know, an hour goes by, I know that I want that candidate back in the room working for my fire department. Now, let's talk about something practical for these guys who are coming in off the street. Okay. Any advice on how they should dress? Yes. So I always tell them dress for success. Bring the top hat, bring the cane, bring the whole thing. In other words, if you're going to spend hours on end researching a fire department, unless this fire department tells you specifically to come dressed, I always, I always refer to a suit and tie. Now, I have, Scott, I have a business background. I wasn't always a firefighter. I spent several years in corporate America. And probably, as you know, I know your background, you've been doing this a long time. You know, you've got to dress the park. And very few departments have I ever come across where I've, you know, I, I try to do some research for the candidate to find out a little bit about their process and about their hiring process. But very few fire departments would tell you to come in dressed like you went to the gym or like in a shorts and a t-shirt. They want to see that you can, you know, you can, you can act the part. But more importantly, the candidates are coming to someone else's house, so to say. And if you're going to come in and sit in front of the city of Fort Lauderdale, the city of Miami, the city of New York, it doesn't really matter where, be presentable and take the jewelry off and take the earrings off and cover up the tattoos and all the stuff that people have. you got to look pre presentable because at the end of the day, the fire department is a business and we all, all are about customer service. And that's what we do 24-7, 365 days a year, just like most businesses out there that are that are offering a service or a product, the fire department is customer service based. So we got to look the part. All right. Now let's talk about promotion interviews. Okay. What's the, what's the difference between a static and dynamic interview? You've got two different types of interview process. And again, the interview process for a promotion differs. And there, there are some similarities and there's some differences, but in a static interview, a candidate might be given a question and then that candidate has an allotted time to basically produce an answer without any feedback. For example, you're given some type of fire ground incident and you're shown maybe something on the screen or on a sheet of paper. And I'll just use a three-story garden style apartment with maybe some flames and smoke showing from the front side. The candidate that's doing a static interview might come in and have five or six minutes to tell the oral board or the people that are evaluating them everything that they would do in those five or six minutes. 
if it was a dynamic interview, every time that, that the candidate answered something, they would get feedback from the evaluators. So maybe they show up and they say, I'm on scene and I'm setting up a portable standpipe. I have a working fire, blah, blah, blah. Then the evaluators would basically come back and say, okay, based on what you have, this is now what the fire is doing. And the dynamic, they're going back and forth. And there's usually role players or they're talking to dispatch. But that's the, the two primary types of an interview could be there be, and again, not really an interview, maybe just the, the part of the promotional interview. Incident command could be dynamic versus static. The same thing would happen with maybe an employee counseling or conflict resolution. In a dynamic interview, you have somebody going back and forth giving you feedback versus a static, you're just doing all the talk. So how do you prepare for that? With lots of practice and coming to me. There's a couple of different ways. And when I work with candidates the first time that they're doing a promotional through the promotional process, I spend probably the first 20 minutes not just getting to know the candidate, but seeing how comfortable they are with their public speaking and presentation skills. I give them a very simple, and I'll, I'll just use incident command because that's common in most promotional, promotional assessment centers. I give them a very simple one story, maybe a residential fire, and I let them run the scenario for 10 minutes. And while they're doing the scenario, I'm, I'm listening to them, but I'm listening to them, how, they, how they're reasoning, their logical thinking, how much studying they've done. Do they know their strategies? Do they know their tactics, basic fire ground principles? And have they taken a look at their fire department SOPs? Because you'll know within the first, you know, I, I would know within the first five minutes how much the candidate has prepared. And let's, if they have zero preparation, that's one of the reasons they come to me. They, they don't know how to organize their thoughts from a sheet of paper to have it come out of their mouth. And that's one of the reasons they, they come, to my, uh, come to me for my services and we can kind of sit down and do different drills. How familiar should the candidate be when he's dealing with members of the panel if he already knows some or all of them? If he already knows the member themselves? Yeah, if he knows some of them or all of them, I mean, can he be informal at that point or what? So I've seen, I've worked for a couple of companies, short-term basis, where as an evaluator, we were told that if we knew somebody that was coming in an interview, that we would be kind of dismissed from the panel. That was the company that I worked for, smaller company. But as the candidate, and this has happened to me a couple of times in other jobs. I applied when I applied to work for the the uh, Coral Springs Regional Institute of Public Safety, the fire academy that I teach at. I knew a couple of people on the on the oral board, and you know some candidates can take that as a bonus, but I tell them all the time, act as if you've never met them before. I said because if you go in to the oral interview and you think you're going to be shown bias or un any kind of unfair judgment, it's going to make it harder for you. Act professional, shake their hands, introduce yourself, call them by their rank, and really don't treat the other members of the panel any different than the person that you may or may not know. Just, I always try to say, you know, I always tell people, be honest and try to remain professional throughout the whole process. Because even though the fire service is, is small, so to say, across the U.S., it is, and you probably know this from being in the business over 30 years, that everybody knows somebody in the fire service. You're bound to come across somebody somewhere in an interview. Maybe it's a promotion, maybe it's to get hired, or maybe it's just to, to work like I did as an instructor at an academy. But just maintain that level of professionalism at all times. Are there questions that just have bad answers, and what are they? I don't think that there's questions that have bad answers. I think there are questions that could have better answers. I'll give you an example. A common question that comes up in the interview process for for both promotional candidates as well as as well as new hires. Give me three strengths. 
And that's an easy one because as long as you know a little bit about yourself, you could say, I'm a team player. I have integrity. I'm honest. You know, I'm a hard worker. Those are usually easy ones. The, the, the other side of the question, which is the harder part, is what are your three weaknesses? And that's usually a question that I ask every candidate and they stumble on that question. And I let them answer it and I listen to their answers. Some people will tell you, well, I have a hard time being on time. And I tell them that's not, a, <laughs> that's not an answer you want to tell somebody in the fire service because you have to be on time. But I try to tell them for this particular question that's a little, diff, a little bit more difficult or doesn't have the most positive answer, try to turn your weakness into a strength. And that's just an example of one. So I don't really want to say that there's any bad questions out there or bad answers. Can there be better answers? This is where the amount of preparation comes into play. Something that I mentioned in my article, it's a drill that I give every candidate. And this will kind of answer your question, Scott. It's called a self-evaluation drill. And basically what I do is I give the candidate 20 to 30 of the most common asked interview questions. Now, this can be applied to both in the new hire interview as well as the promotional interview. And I tell that candidate, when you have time, not today, not tomorrow, but sometime in the next couple of weeks, sit down and write out your answers to every single one of those questions. You feel free to email me, those of them that work with me, and I give them some feedback. But by writing stuff down, it increases your cognitive ability to, instead of memorizing the answer, to really understand what the question's asking you. And then I tell the candidates, once you have it all written down, whether you want to do bullet points or an outline, go back and start studying the questions like they would study protocols, for example. Not telling them to memorize anything, because I don't believe in memorizing. But by studying their answers, I mean, who, who knows more about themselves than they do? But by studying their answers, they're able to take the hardest question and break it down to the, to the simplest unit and be able to answer, answer the question effectively. And I think it's important to note that you said write the answers down. You didn't say type them out because I think, I think we've all pretty much heard by now that writing has a different cognitive effect than typing. Yes. And I don't think that you get the same effect. I know you don't get the same effect by typing on a computer. And even, I know we're in the digital age, and I know that people that are listening to this may disagree with me, but I've been doing this. I've been in this business a little over 10 years, but I give the same drill over and over. And I tell, I tell the same candidates, the new candidate comes in. I said, if you want to be successful, like the last candidate I worked with, you can call them. You can ask them what made that person successful. And it's that drill. And I, I learned that from years ago from, from uh, the business world, from when I worked at Toyota a long, long time ago. All right. Great advice, Mark Rossi. Thanks for being on Code 3 with me today. Thanks, Scott. It's been a pleasure. And we put some more information about how to prep for the oral interview and how to contact Mark at Rockstar Interview and Promotional Prep Training on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash Rockstar. Check it out. And don't forget that you can help keep this podcast going strong by making a monthly pledge. If you get something out of Code 3, please consider making a pledge. A buck a month, five, ten, or more, it all counts. Head over to Code3Podcast.com slash support to join the people who've already made their pledges. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about what you need to know to do well on your oral interview and get hired or promoted. If you're a new hire, I'd like to hear what you did to prep. 
If you conduct these interviews, I'd like to find out what tips you may have. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com, or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and place them back on a future show. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.